As nursing homes work to put their best foot forward after COVID-19 has shaken consumer and public trust in the industry, Shelley Horst believes first impressions, from the time a potential resident does their research on a skilled nursing facility to their first day of admission, are crucial. Shelley has worked as the Director of Strategic Partnerships for Reliant Rehabilitation since March of 2020, and has served in a number of business development and community relations roles throughout her career. This episode of Rethink is brought to you by Reliant Rehabilitation. Before we get to that interview, I wanted to promote our next Clinical Executive Summit happening virtually from October 12th through October 14th. Hosted by Skilled Nursing News, the summit will feature nine webinars over three days that will bring together thought leaders, industry experts, and executives from across the care continuum. Be sure to visit skillednursingnews.com events for the latest updates on the summit and our other scheduled events. Now here's my interview with Shelly Horst, Director of Strategic Partnerships at Reliant Rehabilitation. Alrighty, Shelly, to start, can you talk a little bit about your role as Director of Strategic Partnerships and how you help SNF providers rethink their sales and marketing? Yes, absolutely. You know, a few months ago, Reliant brought me on as the Director of Strategic Partnerships, and this is a role created to help expand our census development support for our customers. You know, we know that our customer's success is our success, and so we all need patients to be able to do our job. And so we wanted to be able to collaborate better with them. And so they created this role as to just really help offer more support. And, you know, with many years of experience that I have in skilled nursing business development and working in managed care, it's just always been a passion of mine to help skilled nursing facilities enhance their customer experience and then just to help them better collaborate with their post-acute partners. And we've worked to provide data market analytics to our customers, and that's really helped them to make a strategic marketing plan that aligns better with those hospital partners' needs. And we've expanded our marketing tools to really better help them articulate that those patient outcomes and successes and help um, set our customers apart in the market. It just, we really want to be a support to the, our partners for outside-of-the-box thinking and just attract more patients to um, our facilities. Okay. And now, so relative to the pandemic, is there anything specifically that you're advising to that end based on your work in the SNF market? Yes. I mean, we have seen that our business development teams have had to completely change their marketing approach. They're being more creative than ever, and that's wonderful. But, you know, we're hearing a lot of them are very discouraged. You know, back at the beginning of the year, there was a little return to normalcy. And so that was great. They were able to get back out there and do that face-to-face marketing that they do so well. But, you know, again, with COVID on the rise again, that has kind of stopped those efforts in the mini markets. And so it's been very discouraging. You know, I'm a firm believer that when we feel that, you know, our tactics aren't working, it's best to kind of sit down and just reevaluate and make a new plan. You know, our new norm of marketing and SNF in today's world is just going to take a different approach. So it's time for us to kind of take a step back and really look at every aspect of our marketing approach you know, have um, our marketing teams develop a true marketing strategy, you know, help them define those objectives and the goals, and then how will they approach and execute that plan in this new market? So this will help them have a better, clearer mission, I think. This has to be a team approach, though. I think the whole entire interdisciplinary team in a facility needs to be clear on the mission and the messaging that we want to send from our facilities. And, you know, a great place to start with that is looking at the data analytics, pulling those, and that helps us kind of define 
what our referral resources pain points are, look at trends, um, to see, see what kind of patients are staying, looking at their DRGs, you know, trying to determine where our hospitals and physicians are sending their patients and why. And I think that will help us really align with what the needs as a post-acute partner. I think we also need to really evaluate our communication styles right now with our hospitals and physicians. It's kind of changed and we need to ask ourselves if it's focused on that collaboration and coordination, even in the world of COVID and how can maybe we adjust that to meet those needs even better. Yeah, you segued right into my next question. You know, how has the relationship with SNFs and hospitals changed here with the pandemic? Well, you know, the numbers has really shown that SNF referrals from hospitals continues to be on the decline and it's not fully recovered from before the pandemic, you know, and so that's really frustrating for a lot of our skilled nursing partners. Um, Yet we'll see that the home health referrals are on the rise. So we kind of have to look at that and see what it tells us. And I think it tells us that the patients are there, but they're not always coming to skilled. You know, I think what we need to do is instill that trust again in our patients and with our referral partners. And how we do that is we start by providing that data that demonstrates that patients' outcomes and then why SNFs are the right post-acute partner of choice. You know, research shows that patients that go home too soon with only home health, they tend to have a higher return to acute. It's not always the best setting. So when a patient comes to skilled for a couple of weeks, they have that 24-hour clinical care. They're going to have access to their physicians, you know, more intensive rehab. And all of that for a couple of weeks can make for a better overall recovery and a better quality of life overall in the long run. So then that patient can go home with home health. You know, home health is a perfect solution for the next level of care in many situations, but it doesn't replace skilled care. So we want to make sure that we remind not only our our hospital partners, but our patients of that as well, and uh, show those outcomes so that we show that we're committed to that partnerships with our hospitals as well. Mm -hmm. And now when it comes to connecting with and, and maintaining relationships with case managers, what are some best practices for skilled nursing operators? Well, you know, I recently interviewed several case managers, and one of them is a director and a big leader in the American Case Management Association. And I asked them, you know, what is it that you need most? What What are the things that you aren't getting all the time from your marketing or from your skilled nursing teams? What is it that you need to see? And they all came back with the same, same thing, you know, um, they need better communication, better collaboration. But yet when we asked our marketing teams and the admissions people, what do they feel like? Do they feel like they're communicating well? Do they feel like they're giving that collaboration? And they all say yes. So we have to take away a couple of things from that. And first of all, I don't think you can ever over communicate throughout the referral and admission and even into the discharge process when it comes to that patient care. And I think we have to really stop and determine how our hospitals best communicate. You know, sometimes with case managers, I mean, it can be, you know, that they prefer phone or they prefer email or they prefer, you know, texting, however that works best for them. Um, You know, and with that, you know, some use the integrated EMR technology. So each hospital is a little bit different and even even each case manager is a little bit different. And sometimes I think we have to transform our communication style to meet that need. Um, you know, making sure that we're giving timely approvals and updates as the admission status goes along, and then making sure that we're utilizing that most efficient method throughout that process. 
you know, continuity care begins the moment that we receive a referral. So how responsive we are and getting that approval from to a case manager and then how quickly we reach out to the patients and the families to help them through that admission process will help alleviate issues up front. And it also provides really good customer service to both the case manager and to the patient's families and patients. It takes that pressure off that case manager when we are service, customer service oriented for them and really trying to take that approach of, you know, help and collaboration. I think that facilities really have seen such a decline in referrals from hospitals. And that's, you know, a way to really try to meet the needs and meet that case management where they are is going to help really increase those referrals. Also think that, you know, case managers say that, you know, when we are willing to think outside the box, when there's times that we have to maybe decline a patient, um, you know, that does happen from time to time. There's a reason for one reason or another, we can't take a patient. I think when we approach it as, you know, how can we think outside the box? Is there other ways that we can maybe work with that case manager or with that hospital to maybe do a letter of agreement, or if we could talk to them about other collaborations to help meet that discharge needs, they appreciate that and they'll remember us in the future for trying to really work with them. And, um, you know, case managers have oft- often will say to me, a no is okay, but they need that explanation and they need to know that they've got a quick answer. There's not a lag time over hours or over days waiting for to hear whether a patient can be approved for admission or not. Okay. And so how do you think the relationship with case managers is different from other referral points of contact? Well, I think, you know, with our difference with our case managers, it's, you know, they are, they need us to be really thinking outside the box. They need us to make sure that we are working with them on a daily basis to communicate and to really try to increase that customer service throughout that process. So it's important that we are clear about what our our mission policies are and how we're building that relationship. We need to make sure that we focus on alternative ways of interacting with them. Sometimes it's not always easy to do face-to-face right now. So a lot of times they will go ahead and take phone calls from us or they were willing to do virtual meetings. And I think that's a good time for us to outreach to them and try those different alternative methods to reach out and have those conversations. And what are some of the best practices to reinvigorate some of the referrals that may have faded since the pandemic began? Well, I think we need to look at our clinical programming and make sure that it aligns with their needs and so that we can become that post-acute partner of choice. You know, the quicker we offer a solution to their problems and we can address the needs that they have, I think the better off we are. And, you know, our mission policies after hours also need to align with how they go during the day. You know, we need to make sure that we have that flexibility. Some hospitals need us to have an after hours, you know, take patients after hours. And sometimes that's not always possible in certain skilled nursing facilities. So we need to make sure that we communicate why and what those barriers are so that we can help them understand and maybe work with them to be a little bit more flexible with us as well. I think we need to be transparent with them and in our marketing You know, when we have those conversations and get in front of them, we tend to sometimes talk, 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 and tell them all about all the great things about our facility. And we forget to ask what their needs are. We forget to to stop and kind of take a step back and ask them, you know, what it is that they're needing to see from us. Gotcha. And so as I'm sure you know, marketing seems to have taken on a whole new dimension in the last 18 months. 
How should providers look at evaluating online marketing and the transparency it brings? Oh, I think it's online marketing is so important right now. It's sometimes it's especially, you know, one of the main reason, ways that we can outreach directly to consumers during COVID. It may be our only way. So, and this also gives um, the first impression to a lot of our patients. So there needs to be a daily time um, set aside for your marketing team to really be working on addressing online reviews, improving and adding their content, and really making this a part of their overall marketing plan. If you don't have somebody that's dedicated to this specifically, you want to utilize all the free opportunities that are out there right now. And one of those, a great one is, a you know, your Google knowledge page panel on, you know, on the right when you go in and put in a Google Google something for information, it plops up on the right. I see that many skilled nursing facilities often do not go in and claim that page. It just requires very easily going in and setting up an account and getting that page verified. And that would allow you to have that access to control the information that's on the page, control the picture, but it also allows you to make sure that you're addressing reviews. So if there's negative reviews, you can and address those as well, but you can also respond with good re- to the good reviews that are left on your pages, on that Google page as well. And I think we need to look at our websites through fresh eyes. You know, does it reflect what sets you apart and what makes you unique? You know, does it show your facility in its best light or is it generic with stock photos and generic information that they will see when they go to the next facility's website as well? So I think we have to kind of really take that opportunity to set ourselves apart. You know, ask yourself if you've got everything you need for a virtual tour on there for, you know, patients that can't see your facility. You know, if you could offer virtual tours or photo galleries, do that. Make sure that your admission policies are clear on that page so that they're clear for families and for your referral partners. Your clinical capabilities need to be clear and informative. Your payer types. Making sure that your COVID policies, of course, are there and in real time and, and up to date. You know, that's a very important part of your, you know, your website right now. It's just a, it's a great place for them to go for that information. And then also your social media. You know, seniors are becoming more and more Facebook savvy, see social media savvy. And so they go to that, they go to that social media sites to look at your facility when they're making a choice about where to go for care. So your current, your content needs to be current. Success stories and outcomes is, this is needs to be a place that you're housing those and talking about the highlights of your patients, giving those, highlighting wellness and, you know, telling that message that it's a safe place and skilled nursing places are a good place to come. It doesn't need to just be a place where you house, house activity photos any longer. It needs to be a place that you really are um, marketing your facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. It's also a great place to spotlight your staff and, you know, what they do best. And this just offers some genuine connection and it personalizes your facility as well. You know, when they get weekends, kind of show your staff and who they are in your facility. It's also, you know, a nice kudos for your staff to see their their name and on the Facebook page as well. So I just think it's a good platform to offer information about your skilled nursing and what's happening there and what to expect. Now, you know, customer service isn't necessarily the first phrase that comes to mind when a consumer thinks about a provider. How can we change that thinking? Well, I think that you can have the very best business development marketing team and brings in those admissions every single day. But if they, if the customer experience is lacking, it's going to hurt your sense of growth overall. 
And I think it leads to poor reviews and it's going to lead to that poor word of mouth. And your so your whole, whole entire interdisciplinary team needs to be invested in how, that patient experience and, and really understand how that relates to census growth. You know, patients and families can be your worst or your best advertisement. So they will tell hospitals and physicians and how their experience was. So that can ultimately be a good thing or it can hurt your overall progress when you're trying to grow your census. So it's crucial that your entire team, including your rehab team, knows the importance of, you know, customer service and how that really plays the role that that plays in your census development. You know, service recovery protocols are also important. We know issues arise. So how you address issues is just as important, you know, as anything as how you are going to make sure that you're listening to your patients and addressing their concerns. If you don't have that consistent patient satisfaction survey, you absolutely want to implement one of those immediately. You know, most facilities are doing that, but just maybe it's not always as consistent. But once you get those satisfaction surveys, you know, listen to what that patient has to say, and we can learn from those and then adapt how we deliver the care. And so how do providers in today's operating environment need to approach customer service versus the pre-pandemic area? Well, I don't know that the model is any different than it's ever been. I think the only difference is, is that, you know, overall pandemic has affected customer service across the board. I think every industry right now is suffering from that. You know, we can't ignore the issue that being short-staffed, you know, is affecting our customer service delivery across the board. But it also can't become an excuse. I think most families and patients are understanding when issues arrive, but if we're not responsive and um, communicate them on how we ultimately fix it, that's, I think, when the issue issues become a problem. And I think that, you know, having that clear message about your customer service model for your employees and reiterating that regularly can make a big change in, in your patient care. You know, we often will have a training when we onboard our employees and our staff, but then we don't do a consistent messaging of what our customer service mission is every day. And so I think that that has to be a constant reminder. You know, the other thing is, is the after hours, often sometimes that's kind of always an issue for after hours at in the evenings or even on weekends. And so we need to have a consistent um, understanding of how we're going to deliver customer service, even in those after hours in a skilled nursing facility. I think that's the only way we're going to really change the perception that skilled nursings are not a place where we receive customer service and that we can change our staff attitude by addressing those patients' concerns. And you touched a little bit on this earlier in our conversation, but how can online reviews help and or hurt new business development? And do you have any advice as to how SNFs can optimize this opportunity? So I think word of mouth and good reviews are just an imperative part of, you know, every business growth. And that includes our industry as well. You know, patients trust what other patients say about us. Um, these reviews and testimonies are always a way for us to stand out, and they're that way for us to highlight our outcomes with our potential new customers. So we want to make sure that that is always putting our best foot forward. And one of those ways that we can really optimize that opportunity is to make sure that we're encouraging online reviews from our, you know, from our patrons. We can make that process easy for families by giving them kind of a step-by-step -step on how that works or giving the patients and residents access to leave those reviews online. You know, we can give them access to computers or iPads and just kind of 
give them the step-by-step if they want to be able to leave a review that they are able to do that. And, you know, encouraging them, just like all businesses do, to encourage them to leave those reviews for us. But, you know, just as important is addressing any poor reviews that come up. And those are going to happen from time to time. So we need to encourage them to contact us for resolution and show responsiveness. I think that can really make a difference and lead to even maybe having that poor review removed. I've had that happen before where we had a poor review left and we went back to it and responded to that family member and they, uh, you know, we were able to resolve the concern and they went back and removed that, that poor review. So it's just about that responsiveness, I think is really important. You know, so going in, like we talked about earlier and claiming that uh, Google panel so that you can go in and respond to those reviews is really important. And, you know, as we've kind of touched on, first impressions can be incredibly important. How do you work with providers on improving those impressions with both the resident and the family? So we've already just discussed that, you know, those first impressions that you get online, but there are many opportunities that we are able to make that first impression. And, you know, that's a lot of times where we are developing that rapport with that patient for the first time. They're the, it's going to be what determines whether they, they choose us or our competitors. So I think some of the best practices for facilities really involve, you know, making sure when you can that your facility is always tour ready when, so when families can come in person, that we're ready for those tours at any given time. Having a good tour route and a signal for your team that, you know, a tour is coming through so that they can stop and answer any questions and then greet that potential admission is really important. And one of the ways that we did that in a facility uh, years ago is we had a clipboard that we carried or we just had, you know, something that you carry that kind of says, okay, this is, this is a potential, you know, admission coming through. And that allows everyone to kind of stop and be aware, you know, highlighting your rehab gym can be a showcase for your facility. You know, having our therapist stop and answer any questions about the therapy process can really persuade a family to choose your facility. So we always want to make sure our therapists can really help in that aspect as well. You know, right now, like I said, when you can't do it in person, having a virtual tour option is a really great way for a patient to experience the amenities that you offer when they can't be in person. You know, a great way that we could help is to also offer, you know, that video or something online to help kind of show what a patient's experience is like as well, too. So that really helps, I think, help give them an idea of what to expect from the skilled nursing facility when they can't see it in person. But I think the most crucial thing that we come across is the first impression of that first day of admission. You know, that can set us up for a successful stay. Having a clear and consistent protocol that your team is aware of when a admission happens can make all the difference as to whether your patient's going to have a good patient experience. Sometimes we set our teams up for you know, being in a, a complete service recovery model for the entire stay when a patient has a first bad day. So, you know, making sure that we have good, good protocols in place to greet that patient, to meet their needs, to make them feel welcome, and to address their needs as, when they come through the door is really important. And then making sure that our therapy teams are assessing that patient quickly after admission is important to making the patient feel welcome and excited to get started on the healthy journey. That's all we have for this episode of Rethink. Be sure to visit skillednursingnews.com for the latest insights and industry news and subscribe to Rethink to be notified when new episodes are released. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. 
Thanks again to Reliant Rehabilitation. I'm Jordan Ryland for Skilled Nursing News. Thanks for listening.